Seinfeld. The package is over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap of podcast about nothing. And now, here are the two guys who are never difficult. I'm Rob Sistino. Here's Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? I thought you were going to say, uh, here are two guys who traded the podcast to Lomez for some steaks. Yes, yes. Are we difficult, though? I think that my wife would say I am difficult, but I would say I am not. I, In the sense that I'm, like, never around, I'm probably, like, super easy. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I'm difficult. I think she'd use, like, a lot of other adjectives before she used difficult. Right. Like, right before we came on this podcast, uh, there was, like, a uh, a dead roach outside my house. And my wife saw it. And this is just going to set her off for weeks now of there was a dead roach what if it went in the garage what if it's in boxes that we have in the garage and we bring them in the house now what do we do and i was just like just stop thinking about this just stop talking about it stop thinking about it if it comes in the house we'll kill it and uh she says that, that i have no compassion because you want to kill the roach no, you have no because i'm not being I, i'm not doing enough to make her feel better about the fact she saw a dead bug outside. Yeah, I can't even like empathize with that because, you know, we lived in Washington Heights in, when we were in college. And I mean, roach like we were happy when we saw roaches. That maybe meant that like the mice had gone away for a day. You know, you'd rather have the roaches than the mice. Of course. Yeah. Mices are disgusting. Roaches like you kill them, you exterminate them. Mices are like my, you don't want like you don't want to be asleep and there's like a mouse scurrying around the room and they make this squeaking noise. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, shoot, that could be a rat. I don't know the difference between mice and rats. <laughs> like when you hear them, you don't know. All right, well, I'll try to tell her this story, but yeah, know, somehow this has turned into like I'm a bad husband because of the fact that I'm not doing enough because she is uh, has a very first world problem that she saw a dead bug outside the house. Oh, yeah, that's like zeroth world. I mean, that's nothing. It's outside the house, not even in the house. Um, I, I just don't know how to say to her like this. You, you uh, like this is not a real problem that you saw a dead bug outside. You should send her to like six months in the Peace Corps. <laughs> yeah, that'll teach her. <laughs> That'll teach her. All right. So here we are, Keeb, ready to talk about the package here, the fifth episode of season eight and another episode with a really terrible Seinfeld name. Yeah, maybe the worst name of any episode in the whole series. Yeah. I mean, it is not descriptive at all. What would you go with? And we got so many suggestions on names. Yeah, like that's half of the uh, the emails. Yes. So I, I you know, I, I almost think like let's sort of name it as we go. But I would even if, if we were coming up with 20 names, we would not have even the package wouldn't be in our top 20. Right, right. I mean, to me, I just think it's the photo store. Photo store is fine. You know, the difficult patient, if you're going with the Elaine storyline. Okay. Sure. Um, you know, you don't want to go, the, you know, the, the eyebrows is fine. I mean, yeah, that may be like... The chart would have been fine. Yeah, that's not bad. Like what, you know, someone might say, hey, what chart? But even even then, um, I, I, there's so many, like... What about, uh, I think Chester suggested, what about the timeless art of seduction? That's a funny name for an episode. <laughs> That's f- funny. I mean, I think that that would certainly be a first where the button on the end of the episode would be the title of it, but that's fine. I think the stereo would be fine. Yeah, the stereo is, is much more in play than the package. Again, it, the package is like the D storyline, and like in a good episode, it's like by far the worst storyline, and it's not even what you, you know, even if it was like the UPS guy or the USPS, like almost anything makes more sense than you know, the, what about the racy picture or something like a racy photograph. Mm-hmm. I think that you might get that confused with what was the episode with Elaine's Christmas card. That would be confusing. And it's also referenced here. So I hear, but almost I can't think of anything that would be worse. 
Right. <laughs> right. All right. So for people who what are about the rash, even the rash actually makes some sense. Yeah. Couldn't do worse than the package. Uh, do you think they were going for some sort of like double entendre where George is like trying to take a racy photo? It's a good question. I don't think so. I, you know, we, we saw a quote near the beginning of the series where Larry said that he didn't care about the names of the episodes. He didn't want anyone to think about it. So uh, maybe that he's gone. Maybe actually this is a double entendre, but certainly the first seven seasons they wouldn't have done that uh that's a good question for jerry since larry's gone okay. or even like the writer of the episode jennifer crittenden that's not a bad idea we could ask her okay so for the people who had not watched the episode ahead of time have not done their homework uh this is going to be an episode where jerry's having issues with his stereo kramer tries to get him a refund they send it uh broken in the mail uh jerry gets busted by newman george has a thing for the lady in the photo store uh, decides to send her a racy photo to get her attention, and Elaine is going to the doctor because she has issues with a rash. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on. It's it's hard to say like what's you know the main thing except the package. Everything, yeah, everything else is sort of equal. Yeah. All right. Well, Keeve, I did think this is a fun episode. I'm excited to talk about it here today. Yeah, there is a lot. It's it's not perfect, but there's so many wacky things that I think we're gonna have more to nitpick than almost any other episode. Yeah. Okay, so again, uh, as Keeve mentioned, uh, Jennifer Crittenden is the writer of this episode, which originally aired October 17th, 1996. And again, season eight, this is such a thing now officially that the opening sequence is going to be two characters talking about something that has nothing to do with the episode. It's almost like that they could shoot all of these just like all on one day and they have like a season's worth of opening tags. That would be, that would be interesting. Like you know, Newman's in the beginning, and then he's in this episode. But maybe we'll catch one where it's like it has like Uncle Leo in the beginning, and then he's just not in the episode. Yeah, I wonder why they did that. I I had a thought today, and tell me maybe if I am way off base on this. So I know that the, in the syndication version of these, and Seinfeld is you know in full syndication here by season eight. Do you think that they said, okay, well, what's the thing that we could cut off an episode that's not going to ever interfere with the plot? And why don't we shoot these disconnected things? Like if you watch these season eight episodes in syndication, are, are these pieces there to open the episode? Right. Well, I mean, obviously what you're saying is right and that it would be the first thing to be cut. Mm-hmm. The, the purist in me thinks that it would be crazy if Jerry and the writing staff were making decisions based on syndication. It's almost like if George R. R. Martin, uh, you know, was making decisions based on like which actors he liked the best in the in the Game of Thrones TV show. And then and therefore like, hey, you know, that's a really good actor uh, or I like I met him personally. He was nice. So I'm not going to kill him off in a book. I'm pretty sure that is what he does. I know, but that's insane. And he's a crazy person who likes the Jets and the Giants. (laughs) Well, I mean, if Jerry and his writing staff knows that the show is in syndication right now, they know that, you know, uh, two minutes are being cut out of every single episode. You don't think that that might come up of like, okay, why don't we just make the first two minutes of the episode something that could just be lopped off so our really intricate plot lines will never be messed up with in syndication? I just think it's it's cutting off like, uh, I don't have a good analogy, but it's, you're worrying about syndication and in and in like the prog- process making the show worse. Not not that I'm saying this makes the show worse, but like doing anything other than worrying about the show's quality seems like a pretty cynical idea to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I hope that that's not what they were doing. Yeah, because I mean that the story beat 
it has traditionally been something that had nothing to do with the episode in terms of like Jerry's stand up for the first seven seasons, something. So it's not like they were really losing that scene. I know they have used it, in, you know, had episodes in the past that start with, you know, we're getting right into the story. But I mean, I feel like if you're just going to replace it, if Jerry's like, like, I don't want to keep doing the stand up. Let's just have two characters talking about something. It, the, the, I mean, the answer is if you watch these episodes of syndication, are these scenes there? Um, I'm not sure, but I would, but again, probably not because they're cutting stuff. We know that they're even speeding up the show, which is, you know, something that you, you'd hope that they weren't doing in, uh, you know, in 1996 with the first couple seasons was done the episodes at like, uh, really slower speeds in the original airing so that then in syndication now they would be, uh, actually at their intended runtime. You know, Chuck Lorre, who, who uh, created uh, Two hate. and a Half Men, I hate him, but Two and a Half Men and I think The Big Bang Theory and many yes. other shows. Yes. Um, Mike and Molly, he's, mom. Yeah, he, in most of his shows, they do not put in any um, sort of like trendy, you know, any sort of trendy references or yes. any, anything timely. They wouldn't make like, you know, uh, they wouldn't have made election jokes in the fall because they want them to be, you know, evergreen. Yes. And you could, I would argue they're like ever brown, but the, the, you know, like, the, but the, like, they, you know, they want them to be in syndication forever. So we're almost like, is Seinfeld getting into Chuck Lorre territory? I hope not. <laughs> Keeve, that you, no need to recycle your Chuck Lorre takes here in season eight of the Seinfeld podcast. Oh, uh, you're assuming that everyone remembers them from episode four of this podcast 135 <laughs> weeks ago? I, I don't even remember. This is probably easily the fourth time that you've talked about your hate of Chuck Lorre. Rob, there's yes. going to be a fifth. We have 41 <laughs> episodes to go. There's definitely going to be a fifth. <laughs> You're too hard on Chuck Lorre. All right. So, uh, by the way, Chuck Lorre, I'm sure he's very concerned, like in his 14 houses in, in like the Hollywood Hills. I'm sure he's very concerned about what I'm saying. Yes, he needs good press. All right. So Kramer and Newman uh, talk. I believe this is the first time that we don't have Jerry in one of these. And uh, they're talking about the Bermuda Triangle. What's going on with the Bermuda Triangle? How come nobody's talking about it anymore? Well, you know, bad news for them. If they thought no one was talking about the Bermuda Triangle in 1996. Yeah. No, it's uh, off really. <laughs> Unless you're watching this episode of Seinfeld, you could go a decade without hearing about the Bermuda Triangle. Right. I don't think anybody's talked about the Bermuda Triangle in 20 years. No, for sure. This was like, they thought like, oh man, the Bermuda Triangle is like slipping. I'm sure it'll come back soon. It's just this alien autopsy stuff is really getting in the way. It, that was it. it. It just died out. It would have been like if someone was like, uh, you know, these cassette players are struggling with the advent of, C- of the CD, you know, <laughs> CDs, but they, you know, I'm sure they're going to bounce back. Right. That's just the fad. Bermuda Triangle can't even get a sponsored post on a Facebook fake news site. I mean, it's uh, over for Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, it, it might have its own Wikipedia page. Yes. Trying to look on Facebook if anybody's talking about Bermuda Triangle. But I think it's I think it's over Bermuda Triangle. Do you think we could get Bermuda Triangle trending again? Um, perhaps. I think the Bermuda Triangle could be ripe for a comeback. I think that maybe what happened with the Bermuda Triangle is that it's sort of like in an era like it just like uh, that it became like so synonymous with, oh, that's one of those stupid mysteries like Bermuda Triangle. I think that it just really got, you know, hurt by the PR. Whereas if people were talking about Bermuda Triangle in 2016, there would be like a sector of the Internet that was like, no, 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 it's real. You don't even you don't even know. Right. So the most recent Bermuda Triangle news I can find on Twitter 
and I don't know if this is real news or fake news. It's something called Seeker. They are verified on Twitter, so that automatically means it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, it says the cause behind the Bermuda Triangle could also explain mysterious holes appearing in Siberia. Uh, could gas explosions explain Bermuda Triangle? Um, so maybe it's a real thing. Oh, okay. But the second most recent like uh, tweet about the Bermuda Triangle is a guy who's verified named Jeff Bacalar. He's a podcast guy, just like us. We're a couple of podcast guys. Video game critic. Uh, he says, no one cares about the Bermuda Triangle anymore. What's that about? Yeah. Good so question. he's on our team. We should almost have him on this week. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's really hit it. Uh, two giant underwater pyramids were discovered in the center. But this looks like fake news. That's MyLifeBuzz.com. Yeah. And it's very grainy. Um, and then there was the alien autopsy that they start talking about. Keeve, do you have any takes on the alien autopsy? What's funny is like the national, this is, you know, like the National Enquirer and there was a lot of knockoffs to the National Enquirer back then. Yeah. And like back then it was like literally fake news. But now, and I'm not super familiar with it, but I think now they do tread in some real news also. Yes. Well, the National Enquirer. Yeah. I, I think that it, that's not exactly like, I think that they were always like talking about celebrities, but there's like weekly world news and other things like star and like there's like uh, different shades of gray in terms of what they're actually reporting. But the alien autopsy thing was a TV show like that. I remember like that being on TV and like, Oh, alien autopsy on Fox. Uh, and like people actually like watched it on, on uh, like TV. I, I mean, is it also the internet also were like more cynical. So like, uh, we don't, you know, if there were aliens, they would probably have like Facebook accounts. So we know they're not, they don't exist. Right. So in 1995, Fox aired, a primetime television special of the alien autopsy. And it was sort of like showing that the scientists on like the footage going through these Roswell aliens. And this was 1995. You couldn't like go on and like uh, Google, is this real or tweet about it? It's just like, okay, this is just presented as a real thing. Alien autopsy. I mean, we were just much dumber back then. As as people, we've like we're oh, totally I, done with. <laughs> I think that there has been no growth. <laughs> we've we like the fake news like that. There's no way it could get past anybody at this point. Yeah, uh, we're we're all like excellent goalies for that sort of thing, and uh, pretty much we've evolved completely as people, and we're almost <laughs> yes, perfect. Yes, nothing gets past us anymore. Yeah, so that that was the thing, and yeah, so Kramer and Newman both on the same page. Uh, it's it's real. Alien autopsy. You don't even hear much about Bermuda anymore, let alone the Bermuda Triangle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or aliens. I think at this point, people are rooting for aliens. Yeah. Well, I've said for a long time, I think that aliens are the only thing that can save us. It's the only thing that could bring us together as a people. People have also pointed out, not to get political. Right. But if there is like, if there are like alien stuff going on in Area 51, like if Trump is in a bad mood one day, he's definitely going to tweet about it. Yeah. So we'll know. Yes. We'll definitely know soon. Like he's he's got our backs on the aliens for sure. No one's doubting that. Right, right. Uh, that's that would be uh, you know. I mean, if if there's ever like a bad news cycle, you know, uh, something is out there that he doesn't want. Like, I mean, that would be the move. I think to sort of like no uh, question. Like people are like bashing the budget or something. They're like ragging on on him. He's in a fight with Congress. Mm-hmm. Just just accidentally tweet it and delete it, knowing that everyone's going to screen cap it like a picture of an Area 51 alien, forget right. about it. Right. No one will be talking about the stupid budget. He'll pass whatever he wants. And then he'll be the hero because all the alien freaks, they'll view him as like the guy who broke the news. He'll be like the Woodward and Bernstein of aliens. <laughs> That's good. It's good. Declassify everything. Okay. All right. So we start off with Elaine at the doctor in the proper part of the episode. She looks at her chart 
And she reads that it says that Elaine is a difficult patient. Uh, and she's very surprised by that. And she's dealing with this rash. And so finally, the doctor comes in and she comments on, I happen to notice in my case file, it says that I'm difficult. Uh, he offers to erase it. But Elaine calls him out that it was written in pen. You fake erased. By the way, that's like the ballsiest thing anyone's ever done. Fake erase? Like, could you imagine? No, like, no, not the fake erase. I think that's fair. That's like a teacher move. That's a fair thing to do. Saying that I know that was written in pen, even though I just saw it for like a split second, mm-hmm. you didn't really erase it. That's like, you better be right about that. Because if he comes back and says like, uh, no, I actually really erased it. Take a look. Then you have a lot of egg on your face there. Mm-hmm. That's right. So that what would you have done? What's the move? I, I just would believe. I mean, he's a doctor. I would just believe him. Okay. Oh, so you would just like, even though you knew. First of all, I would never know. No, I would never notice. I'm, I'm not like, I'm not perceptive enough to notice that something would be written in pen. Yeah, but Elaine works like, in publishing. Yeah, she knows her pens and pencils. That's a good point. <laughs> yes, her writing implements. She knows. And so this really starts a chain reaction for Elaine where she is going to uh, be dealing with a number of doctors uh, throughout the episode. Uh, George, meanwhile, is at the photo store talking with a uh, lovely young woman who works at the photo store. And uh, she sees, hey, George, you got that mustard stain out of your shirt. Um, So she's really going through these photos with a fine tooth comb. Keeve, perhaps does this take the crown for the most dated thing we're talking about here in the Seinfeld post-show recap than to talk about the store that you take your photos to? On one hand, yes. I feel like if you're a millennial, if you're like Max the Millennial and you're watching this episode, you're thinking like, what is this? But in truth, you know, go out to the streets. There are a few of these stores. They still exist. Really? I feel like that if you had like a disposable camera or something, you could take it to like CVS or Rite Aid and they like ship it out. But there are actually still stores that will develop your film. Yeah, because I think it's such a hobby, like photography stuff. Uh, I did walk into one. I had to go for like some family member sent me on some trip and like the, I went into a store. I'm like, I can't believe the store still exists. And the guy was like, oh, yeah, we're closing next week. Right. So they're probably like few and, and far between. That? But I, this that was like four or five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I feel like there's right a few now. in Manhattan. I bet there's a bunch. Yeah. I'm looking up a uh, film developing. The problem is that in Los Angeles, you get into like people like that are like, getting like film developed, like for like movies and stuff like that. Like people that want to be trendy and not shoot on digital. But yeah, I guess there are still a couple of one hour photo places, but uh few and far between for our millennial uh, listener uh, that I wanted to just uh, put out there that you, if you took, if you had a camera, it would have film. You'd have to take it to this place and you drop it off. And then I didn't know that they go through your pictures with uh, like a really do a thorough uh, examination of them though. Yeah. That would really lead me to like, not want to take them to that type of person. I think this is just the, you know, a particular case. I don't, if you're going through like hundreds or thousands of pictures a day, I don't think you have time or the, inc- it's like, you know, I love, uh, you know, pastrami, but my first day at subway, maybe, I'm like, ooh, pastrami. I mean, you know, but like by the third day, like, I don't care. Just, you know, it's just another job. Yeah. Okay. So George uh, is very excited that the woman was paying close attention to his photos. So he goes up to Jerry's apartment where Kramer is there. Kramer wants to know, what's the matter with your stereo? Um, Is is there a modern day equivalent of a stereo? I mean, I I was going to say iPod, but that's out of date. So I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they know what a stereo is. Yes. Yeah. Like. (laughs) 
My mom has a stereo that like like the radio is hooked up to at her house. Like if she listens to like FM radio in her house. But I mean, I feel like that stereos are really like, what do you, what do you need all this stuff for in the stereo? I mean, the truth is like stereos were kind of a really good invention. I know they don't really exist anymore, but let's say you were in the house and you had to do work. So maybe you weren't going to watch the Met game. You wanted to listen to the Met game. I'm sure you were in this situation many times as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. Listen, listening to listening to Gary and Howie on the radio. Yeah. Um, and and Bob, because he was he was alive mm-hmm. back then that, you know, like so if you wanted to do that, you know, you have you'd have like a boom box, right? We would call it and. And you'd, you'd, you could blast and those things were really loud and you could listen while you did something while you're, you know, eating dinner or whatever. Now you couldn't do that. Like, I don't even know how you would do the equivalent of that. Even if you had a laptop, like, the games aren't necessarily on the, you know, they're blacked out on on the like the website. I'm not sure how you'd really go about doing it. Yeah. Well, what you can do is uh, if you have your phone and then you have a stereo. I mean, if you had some sort of a stereotype boombox, you could either like plug your like headphone jack into it and again this is assuming if you have an iphone 7 you have a lightning to headphone jack adapter available or if you have a bluetooth stereo which uh looks like that that's a important feature on a modern day stereo you could just go like airplay to your or bluetooth to your stereo yeah but it's still it's a lot more complicated than clicking a button Sometimes technology like ruins things I mean, that nobody you really still cares about. would have an AM radio. I mean, if if you had if you ha- still had the stereo, it wouldn't be an issue. You're saying if you don't have a stereo, yeah, like my I had a stereo for like 20 years, and I would actually like do the dishes and listen to the Met game. Um, but then it broke, and I'm not gonna like buy another stereo because they don't exist anymore, probably. Right, and you can't just like on your iPhone, uh, like like have the speaker on the phone. Yeah, but where's the Met game coming from? There's the Mets aren't on the internet unless you're like and, buying the radio app, which I guess. I could do if I listen to the radio often. Buy MLB.tv, MLB at bat, they call it. I I I don't have it because I have the Met games. I don't I don't have it. Oh, so you just get like the SNY or the baseball package? Well, I have it on. Well, I don't have the baseball package. I I have. I, I some the truth. You have an illegal cable box. Is that what you're trying? to No, tell I us? have. I have a sling box. I have a sling box. Sling box that has SNY. Okay. My parents have SNY in their house. Okay. You All can't. right. This is very. I, we are way off. <laughs> This is the okay. first time I've ever said that we're off topic in 130. Uh, we're just getting into if you need a stereo or not. Can you imagine like the Australian listeners listening to us like analyze how to listen to a Met game in 2017? <laughs> well, I think that it doesn't necessarily need to be a Met game. I think that people no, it has to be a Met game to you know some sort of sporting event on the radio. But I hate when like there's a technology I liked. Like I think we could all agree like VH you know VHSs didn't don't need to exist anymore. Mm-hmm. I hate when there's a technology I like that sort of becomes obsolete. What'd you like the radio? I, I think the radio, I don't, I'm not dem, like, uh, you know, mourning the demise of the radio. I really think iPods, I like, I love having an iPod that's like separate from my phone. that I don't have to worry about the battery. Mm-hmm. I know like I'm the only person on earth, like when my iPod dies, I'm going to want to buy another one. And they're yeah. probably like going to be like relics. Yes. Um, I mean, Keith, that your yeah. problems can be solved. You just get a Bluetooth speaker and then play whatever you want onto the speaker. Also, Super Nintendo. I kind of like Super Nintendo better than like a lot of the new gaming systems. Better than Genesis? Yeah, I was a Nintendo guy all the way. I never had Segas in my house. Yeah, we were Super neither. Nintendo and N64. Me neither. I had all, only Super Nintendo. But let's not go down that rabbit hole. Anyway, so there's a problem with Jerry's stereo that you have to stick a screwdriver in it to make it work. Does this make any sense at all? 
No, I mean, it's it's the old thing where you slap, you know, you used to like slap your computer, slap the thing and it would start working again. I don't I don't think it's that crazy. OK. All right. So Kramer can't remember you would blow. On. Speaking of like Nintendo, you'd blow into the games and then they'd work. Yeah. So I, is this is this real? And I'm sure that was just like a phantom limb syndrome thing. But like, no, is this really work. more insane than that. Yeah. No, I think that the reason why it would work is because you put like you got like some moisture on there and that would uh, moisture would help with uh, like whatever the uh, like whatever the dirty connectors were. But it was sort of like a short term fix because I would like my Nintendo like fully broke, I think, from uh, blowing into many games. Yeah, I'm going to blow into my keyboard from now on. It's always like there's always food in it. I eat over my keyboard. Yeah, I'm blowing into my keyboard right now to see if it it'll see if it breaks. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so there's a funny line where Kramer asks, what's wrong with your stereo? And Jerry asks, what's wrong with your stereo? Yeah, we know Kramer's a stereo. We've heard him, I think, listen to music in his house. But yes, I mean, I think that ship has sailed, Jerry. You know, he's, he's going to be in your house at this point. Now, Keeve, correct me if I'm wrong, but in this same episode where Kramer claims that he traded his stereo to Lomez for some steaks, correct? Don't we mm-hmm. see Kramer playing a boombox when he's taking photos of George? Oh, right. What is he? I, I didn't pay attention to that, but he is playing music, right? Or, or wait, are we hearing Kramer's music or are we hearing uh, the show's background music in that scene? No, we're hearing music, I think, because he puts he turns it on so George can feel comfortable. He's telling George, move to the beat. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, maybe he just bought a new one maybe, since we maybe. last see him. There was a problem uh, with steaks, perhaps. Maybe he got his stereo back. Yeah, you know, Lomez, uh, I could see Lomez giving you some, like, spoiled steaks. Yeah, okay. So, anyway, George is there now, and he's very excited about the photos, and he says, yes, don't you understand? She's looking at the photos. I mean, isn't that, like, a high-class problem you want that people are like, ooh, this guy's interesting, I'm going to actually look at his pictures. Yeah, I think he's excited, but I think that it's because that he feels like this woman is interested in him. No, for sure. Um, uh, yeah, that's a big deal. Uh, yeah. if, you know, you're the one person whose photos they're looking at. That's a compliment. Right. It's just like where I say, like, where I long for my wife to go through my emails. It's just like the idea of, <laughs> wow, she's that interested in what I'm doing that she would actually go through my stuff. You should start testing it by, like, you're, like emailing from, like, a fake account. Like, uh, you know, R.E., Our Affair, you know, no. in, in like capital letters and see no, if the only reason that. the only way she'll care is then if like when people like tell on me and then like they've done all the work and like just so you know, uh, this is happening. Like she does not have like the energy or the interest to go and do that research herself. Right. Well, listen, we've already established this is a no uh, no snitching podcast. So, yeah, it's not going to come from it's not going to come from this neck of the uh, podcast. Good. Woods. Good. OK. So Elaine comes in and she had a bad experience at the doctor. Uh, Jerry has a funny callback. He says, was it the gown again? No, it was that the doctor said she was difficult. I mean, she has been pretty difficult. You know, she's mad about this, but like at the end of the day, they're obviously right. Yeah. I thought this was a pretty cutting line where Elaine talks about she's easy. She's not difficult. And Jerry says to her, why are you easy? Because you dress casual and sleep with a lot of guys. Seems like a very basic joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Jer- it's a little too basic for Jerry here. So you're really uh, very, uh, very hard on Elaine. So we see Elaine at a new doctor because uh, George suggests, you know, why don't you go to somebody who doesn't know you're difficult yet? And so she goes to the new doctor and everything is going good. But now the new doctor wants to review her history. It's a standard procedure. And he immediately reads that she's difficult and wants nothing to do with her. I do like the idea 
that like the whole problem can be solved, like nothing's on a computer. Like they physically had to bring the chart to the other doctor's office knowing that she was coming it? in. I guess they could have faxed it, yeah. Yeah, I think you could fax a chart. But then what was she trying to do by stealing it? Like that wouldn't have helped. They, you know, just someone else would have had to go back to her original doctor. Well, I think that if she goes in her original chart and changes something, the next place it gets faxed to, it's, that change is going to be there. Do we just have charts like lying around doctor's offices all over the country? Why? Because now they're, uh, they're obsolete? No, I mean, I, I think you still need to have like, you still had five. I mean, I don't know, like the last couple years, but there's probably some rules that haven't been changed. Like I went to, um, I remember in high school, they said like, oh, you have to keep your file for like 99 years. Like they had a room or a, like a storage years. site. Something like, I think high schools have to keep it forever. Or something. That's what the secretary told me. Maybe maybe she was just like asking me to leave. But I mean, like, hey, did you to... see files there from like 1890? Well, once in college, I had to like, uh, when I was graduating, I had to like tie up all like the paperwork from like a summer class and this and put it all together. And she's like, oh, yeah, you have to come back in two hours. Like it's not on site because, you know, there's thousands of kids in the college. We can't just like keep them all in a room in Manhattan. So they had like, oh, yeah, you know, they had to like send someone for the file. But mm-hmm. they also like legally had to keep them on on like within certain, there's like real rules, like within a certain amount of space for seven years. And then after that, uh, I'm not sure if they could throw them out or like they didn't need to be in it, like accessible within X amount of time. Yeah. But I don't know. That's uh, right. like, I, I, I'm not sure. But like uh, doctor's offices, I feel like they're keeping your files for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think that they've probably scanned most of those files by now. I mean, everything should be computerized. Yes. Um, yeah, like all of your medical stuff should be on a computer. That's like that should if I was running for president, that would be one of the first things I would do. Yeah. Well, because in most of in almost I think in every other country, they're ahead of us. Like uh, literally every other country they have. They have like all online medical stuff. I mean, are you saying that you feel like most of the medical information in this country is not yet on a computer? It's it's not um, standardized. It's not like all in one place that like every single company is sharing. Every single doctor's office is sharing it with the other one. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, maybe- do you find that it is? I don't know. I haven't. I don't go to the doctor anymore. I assume I'm just perfectly healthy. <laughs> I don't know that. Uh, I don't necessarily have a good uh, grasp on it. That uh, my wife is a nurse, and uh, we get health uh, insurance through uh, the hospital that she works at, and it's a you know. It's, you know, a very good hospital. So everything that they have seems to be computerized. So I don't know what the state is of, you know, healthcare outside of the providers I've been to in the last 10 years. Yeah, but can you can you access it? Like yes. you could access all of your all of your medical history online. I mean, they, they do have this a system like a web interface where I can go in and get like whatever. I, like, can I access all of my charts? I don't know. I, I don't have that kind of time on my hands, Keith. I'm saying like if you if you had like a blood test, you yes. can see what happened without calling up or going back to the doctor. Yes. OK, fine. So that's that's something. Yeah, that's something. But again, I, I, I suspect that's probably not the norm. Probably not. OK. All right. So <laughs> that they don't want anything to do with Elaine. They won't help her out. She's uh, left to go to another doctor. So here comes an angry mailman to Jerry's door and he has a package um, Jerry seems to not know who his mail delivery person is, right? That's well, odd. Well, this is the this this guy is a USPS guy, right? Yes, postal service. Um, right. Yeah, but like he's bringing it up to the door, which already is pretty rare in in like Manhattan building. So maybe he's not the normal guy. Is that possible? He's not the standard guy. I guess so. Maybe it's like. But you're saying Jerry doesn't know who he is, but clearly the guy knows who Jerry is. As we're going to find out 
right. very soon. Right, and Uncle Leo even knows who he is. Anyway, well, so there's a moment, though, with this uh, where Jerry doesn't want to accept the package. Are you saying you don't want to sign for the package? Maybe I am. And there's almost a Curb Your Enthusiasm-esque stare down between Jerry and uh, this uh, postal delivery person. Yeah, you almost expect like the bump but uh, music to come on right yeah. after. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's a weird altercation. Anyway, so George comes through. And Jerry says that oh, this was a weird thing. I didn't want to sign for the package. And George scoffs at him and says, why? What did you think? It was a bomb. Look at the arrogance on you. Right. Like, I, mean, I think there is an idea of like you get to a certain level of celebrity where you're just not signing for random packages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the question is, is Jerry Seinfeld there? I would say no. In the, like the Jerry in the show is not there, but it's not the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. I mean, but what does Jerry think it is? I mean, it does seem really outside the realm of possibility that there would be a bomb. I mean, I guess, is this like peak Unabomber territory? Maybe. Maybe there was more mail bombings then. But also, like, Jerry has haters. Like, he's been heckled at the club. There's people who hate him. You know, the pilot hates him. Uh, you know, like, there's there's people who really don't like Jerry. It's not completely, like, maybe Banya snapped. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that someone is trying to off Jerry. Yeah, I guess that's possible. And uh, George again says to him, like, why? Who's going to bomb you? The airlines for all those little uh, peanut jokes that you make? Yeah, that's a good, that's like a pretty good meta joke there. <laughs> pretty good burn. Uh, so I'm trying to look at the Unabomber of when he really did his uh, major damage. Looks like uh, 94 uh, and then uh, 95 as well. So I guess this is like a uh, top of mind for people, the Unabomber. Um, yeah, I, I, it was probably a bigger deal then. I mean, it's still like, we still, know, first of all, then like, oh, one, they had the anthrax. So everyone's right. afraid of like every package. Right. Yeah. But this is still, uh, well before that. Anyway. So George is asked by Jerry, why? I suppose you think you're bombable. And George gets like deadly serious for a minute and says, look, there's a couple people that wouldn't mind having me out of the way. <laughs> Jerry says, yeah, more than a couple. But in reality, Jerry would be much more. I mean, other than like, I guess ex-girlfriends could be either one. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, Jerry's probably more likely to be bombed than George. Right. By an obsessed fan. Sure. Sure. OK, so they start going through George's photos. He has a photo of him like leaning on a Mercedes to try to make it look like it was his. Uh, he takes a picture with Burt Reynolds. Uh, Keeve, have you ever seen anything with Burt Reynolds in it? I, I, what does that mean? Have I ever seen any like a movie? Anything, any work of Burt Reynolds. Oh, I thought you meant like a, I didn't understand your question. Like a picture? Yeah, I've seen wax picture, muse- wax museum pictures <laughs> with him. Yeah. By the way, that's such an old joke also, like the idea that like a wax museum guy could pass for um, the person. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like name his most five famous projects and I'll tell you if I've seen them. Well, I think he's, he does a lot of stuff in the 70s of like uh, Smokey and the Bandit. No. Um, yeah, I, I would say maybe the only thing might be Boogie Nights. Yeah, I've seen that. And also, hasn't he guessed it on like uh, TV shows here and there? Yeah. Was he, was, wasn't he a guest on Friends? Am I making um, that up? I think that's Tom Selleck that you're thinking of. Oh, yeah, you're right. That is the Selleck man. Yeah. Um, uh, he had a show. What about the original, the original Longest Yard? Not that I saw it, but he was in that. Yeah, he was in the original one, right. I don't know if he was in the Adam Sandler one. My name is Earl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw some of those. Maybe, yeah, maybe, okay. yeah. Oh, he, you know what? He's in the second longest yard, too. Okay, yeah. They let him come back for that? Yeah, they let him come back. Yeah. Uh, he's got really big for uh, a bunch of stuff that he did in the 70s where he's driving cars around. 
every time like there was a lot of like NFL beat writers, you know, like national writers in the longest yard. And anytime they get a uh, residual check for 75 cents, every single one of them, Peter King, Adam Schefter, all those guys like tweet it like, oh, I'm, I'm rich this month. And it's like 74 cents from like 18,000 airings of the longest yard. Mm-hmm. Those guys love to post the longest yard checks on Twitter. Yes. All right. We'll get to that when we talk about a super terrific happy hour. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So that uh, George's photos uh, in the midst of these photos uh, that he finds another provocative photo and he assumes this is photo store Sheila. Yeah. And I think one thing that like isn't really referenced here, but is important is that you can't really see who it is. Right. You can barely. And obviously it's a plot point, but it's also very interesting that you can't see her face because, well, you know, not to step on the, you know, much later scene, but when it's revealed that it's a model mm-hmm. who, um, you know, who's just missing a picture, it makes very little sense that you can't see your face. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. This is just like uh, a photo that's like cropped out of her. I mean, you don't know what kind of model she is. Right. Also, maybe, you know, she's just taking pictures and then developing them. It's possible it was just a bad picture, right? Yeah. Like you says, you could barely see your face. Like maybe it's just like the camera slipped and it's not, you know, an iPhone where you just take 100 pictures a second here. You're just like snapping 20 or 24 and developing them and hoping that they're good. Yeah. All right. So Kramer has now entered the room and they're talking about this where George is saying, I need to go over there and ask her out. And Kramer is the one to point out that that's what you're going to do. Like, don't you understand this is the art of seduction. She sends you a photo. You've got to send her one back. This is the dance. So, you know, there are things in this episode that are extremely dated. But in a roundabout way, this is obviously a very modern storyline. Right. This is, I believe, the first sexting relationship in the history of humankind. Yeah, this is really uh, incredible. Well, you know, it's really incredibly uh, forward thinking here by Seinfeld. Like, yeah, they're they're inventing the you know the idea of like uh you know sending news back and forth right right now that george doesn't get to the point where he is going to be uh sending naked photos to the woman but i guess that this is like in 1996 this was the thing that you get some sort of like tasteful lingerie photo from a person in your photos and then you go to some other art studio and then have a tasteful picture of yourself. I, I maybe prior to this, you used to have to get like a painting made. That's what they did. Yeah. That's like what Titan. That's like the whole plot of Titanic. I yes, think. you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Literally like 1997, that could be like the plot of the movie. That's like the number one, uh, you know, uh, grossing movie of all time to that point. The, the, um, do you think they invented this though? Like did they, like someone else do this and it's like, yeah, I sent pictures back and forth, like, with my girlfriend, and, you know, we were worried that the uh, local CVS or, you know, photo developing store would see it. Or is this, like, a completely original storyline from the writers? Well, I think that probably, like, guys, like, that were off at war, like, their girlfriends would, like, send them a picture. I, I mean, how racy it would be. I think they could just, like, sh- like, send, like, a picture of them, like, basically their school photo. And then the guys like uh, off at war would be like, oh, my, look at this photo. Check this out. So, yeah, yeah share with your buddies for sure. Right. But, you, and I th- but I think it's hard to then take a photo and send it back. So when did this really begin? Uh, perhaps that there were pen pals that like uh, wrote sort of like erotic notes back and forth. What about you're forgetting about jail also. 
jail, sure. I feel like you, you know, your girlfriend tries to like, you know, slip you a photo in jail, though I'm not sure they allow pictures of women. You sort of have to, uh, you know, I depending on the jail, I think you have to sort of sneak them in. You're not allowed to get pictures in jail. In Shawshank, all they did was hang up posters. Uh, yeah, I said certain prisons. First of all, that that oh, wasn't a movie set in like the 60s. That was a corrupt prison, too. That was a corrupt prison. Right. He had what was that Raquel Welch on the wall? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but, you know, I think you're not allowed to like maybe it's inappropriate pictures, but there's definitely like rules in some prisons for what kind of pic. You can't just have like naked women everywhere on, you know. I, I, they're in stay right, well, your mail for I'm jail. I'm not going now, Keith. <laughs> that's it. You're not going to well, convince me. We're not, and we were going to commit white collar crime. We established that in a very, <laughs> very go. early episode of this podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly uh, where this started. I think that probably your neighborhood photo store, if they're looking at the photos, you know, there's only so much you could do. I guess potentially you could be developing the film yourself, uh, but it's probably not until the advent of the digital camera that the racy selfies uh, really begin to take hold. Right. If you like sent your boyfriend a picture that got out in, you know, in the like 1988. How would it get like, out? It, what is it? So like, somebody's like I'm saying like, photocopies of it. No, no. But like, you know, he showed it to his friends like eight people saw it. Yeah. Now you send it. It gets posted online and like the whole world has seen it. Yes, that's right. So this is uh, really they have no idea what's uh, around the corner. So. Leo, speaking of coming around the corner, here comes Uncle Leo, and he spots the mailman, and he says, like, uh, the mailman says, hey, Leo, what's with your nephew? Yeah. All right. So I'm going to say right now that this is the stupidest scene in the history of the show. Okay. So Danny, the mailman, and Uncle Leo are talking about, (laughs) Leo, hey, how are you? And uh, postal worker Danny says, "Uh, Leo, what's up with your nephew? He wouldn't accept the package. And Uncle Leo says, no, he wants it. He's just trying to be funny. Yeah, I'll sign for it. Okay, so now we have a mailman that we haven't seen before. Right. Who Jerry may not have recognized and, and right. clearly was not friendly with, knows that, you know, knows Jerry, knows Leo, and knows that they're related. Yes. I mean, to me, like, when I'm watching the scene every time, I think to myself, like, is this Sesame Street? Like, is there <laughs> one block? Look, and it's like, Steve. snuffle up, I guess, and Big Bird, like, know each other's cousins and they know each other's friends. When you live in a small town like Manhattan... Everybody knows everybody. It's really like one of the things we've sort of established that we did that I might not have noticed if we weren't going through the show with a fine tooth comb. But like this is bananas. Like this is insane. The the idea that the mailman knows like who your nephew is like Mm -hmm. they don't even like each other. It's not like they're together and he sees them at monks. They they're like arch enemies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, And then he's like breaking the mailman to mail E, you know, code of like. (laughs) Hey, you're, you know, you're, guess what? Your nephew wouldn't sign for a package. And then he just gives it to this uncle. He's like, yeah. don't worry about it. Like, that's insane. Yeah. You know, trying to be funny. I don't yeah. even think Newman would do this. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. I don't know necessarily, you know, how you could explain this. It's, it's a real stretch. Yeah. I mean, I'm t- this is, this is crazy. Like, I know that we've seen a lot of times, especially in season eight, where like, they just like, we just need to, it would make, be so much easier if we could, like, in a very short scene, tie together, like, why this is going to happen instead of, like, draw it out or for people to be like, hey, how does that person know that person or how does that person know that fact? Yeah. But this is like, this scene is insane. There's a lot of weird stuff with Uncle Leo in this episode. Uh, we'll get into more of it as we go along. Uh, George and Elaine are in a cab together. Not sure where they're going or where they're coming from, but yet yeah, uh, they're in a cab together and 
They're talking about uh, that, you know, Elaine and uh, her chart. And George says that he messes with his uh, personnel file at work all the time. That's uh, he's kept the same job for two years. What is George updating in his personnel file? Yeah, I'm really wondering, like, he's not even doing that bad of a job. Uh, You know, I don't. And it's also like the the doctor's file like gets passed from doctor's office, doctor's office, like the personnel file, like how many people could possibly be looking at it? Like his boss, maybe his Mm -hmm. boss's boss, George Steinbrenner, you know, like they're going to be they're going to be like, oh, I thought George was terrible, but I seen his personnel file that I wrote in handwriting. That's not mine. That is great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He only has a couple of bosses, but uh, yeah, Steinbrenner is like, oh, okay. Uh, says here that George is a stand-up guy. Okay, good. Well, good. I could see, I could see Steinbrenner actually being fooled by like you know the crossouts and the scribbles. Yeah. And we've established but, that Mr. Morgan does have, uh, or I'm sorry, Mr. Wilhelm has uh, some existing medical issues. So who knows what he's thinking? Yeah, I, I just you know I, I don't like what's George. Maybe he's just like writing in insane compliments, like you know save the organization, uh, you know a hundred thousand dollars by switching you know the uniform material and i i don't i don't know what he's writing in there but uh you know i to me george he's just getting the file for the sake of getting it and parading it around with it okay so a nice moment between george and elaine talking about uh, a callback to elaine and her racy photo uh when she sent the christmas card with the nipple in it and uh, of course george wants to know what was the experience like working with kramer and Elaine speaks highly of it. She says he was very professional. She actually uses the photo for her health club membership. Yeah, I do. like. You know, I like the fact they're more willing to call out you know, ran, uh, random stuff. But it is, you know, you can't really. It's such a similar storyline that you may as well. Anytime you come along to like really similar storylines, just mention it. And it makes it seem more legitimate. Right. Instead of saying like, hey, didn't they sort of do the exact same thing in season five or something? Yeah. No, I like it. I, I really do like this. And I think this is sort of the idea of that at season eight, there's a generation of writers who have come in who sort of like uh, came up watching the show. So like these storylines that maybe even the people that have been there the whole time might have forgotten are sort of like very top of mind for the new writers. If you join a show, especially a show that has a huge back catalog, particularly back in the day where it was hard to find old shows that weren't syndicated, like do you have to see, if you're like a writer for like the eighth season of the Big Bang Theory. Do you have to go back and watch the first seven seasons first? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I thought you were going to ask, so? like, if you're a writer on, like, season eight of Golden Girls, how do you know what stories they already did in season two of Golden Girls? Right. Say, I mean, the same question. Do you have to go back and watch them? Well, I guess if we have if we have any sitcom writers. watch Big Bang Theory. True. Of course. You definitely could. I mean, you'd have to watch seven seasons of Big Bang Theory. I wouldn't wish that I'm a worst <laughs> enemy, but. You're but, ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm just kidding. I'm just, my wife loves the Big Bang Theory. She's like cracks up through the, you know through the wall I hear <laughs> laughing about it. but the big bang bang theory in the middle she likes that too that yeah. the um but if you are a sitcom writer or no one I, i'm interested in in the uh, answer to that question okay so we see elaine now at another doc or back to the original doctor's office she needs to uh get an appointment they won't see her uh she takes the phone and rubs it all over her rash i mean uh this is one of the most disturbing things we've seen it is a little weird. Like the idea that they made her have a rash is like, I mean, are, do rashes gross you out? Um, I mean, they can. I mean, they made Elaine have a rash, but they didn't do anything in terms of makeup to her. Like they don't have like she doesn't have like scales or anything or anything like where she's like red or any like discoloration. Right. The only reason it needs to be a rash is so Kramer can take the scarf and catch the rash. Other than that, 
she could literally have any ailment in the book. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so they go to go and look for something, and then Elaine steals the chart. She runs to the elevator, and this is a bit of a surreal moment where the elevator stops working so the doctors can catch up with her. Um, is this a real thing where that the hospital or a doctor's office can stop the, the cutoff switch on the elevator? I mean, it's sort of like there could be a master elevator thing. It, the timing thing is weird here, right? She goes in. Let's say they immediately ran. The nurse yells, hey, she took her file. It's po- is it possible she didn't move at all and that like she's trying to move, but they're pressing it so hard that the elevator kind of stops? And then, you know, you're pressing the button like 20 times and eventually the elevator just opens. It's possible where they could have like pushed the button to get on the elevator and Elaine was pushing the button to go down. But I feel like that my experience with elevators is that the elevator would once the door closes, it's taking Elaine down. Yeah, but it's possible they have some sort of master key like, um, you know, I'm sure in like I, I think in Trump's building, like if he's taking the elevator, then, you know, it's just his. Or um, any sort of VIP. I think even in my college, like when the right. president needed to get somewhere, the college president, like, you know, they t- take over the elevator and they have some special thing going on. So but I don't know. Maybe maybe the doctor place. has it here. May, perhaps, perhaps. But it seems like what if he's like a really important doctor and he just has the master elevator key? Uh, maybe, maybe we'll go. We'll go with that. So they take the files away from Elaine and uh, they go back to writing in them. OK, so Jerry is in his apartment. And uh, George comes through. I guess he's waiting to uh, do his photos uh, with Kramer. And Uncle Leo calls up and he has the package. Uh, and so uh, they, there is some talk about uh, should they have Leo open the package? Uh, what is he, a bomb diffusing robot? I like that Jerry shows a little bit of like uh, compassion for Leo here for a second. Yeah. And then Uncle Leo starts talking about cousin Jeffrey and Jerry says, open the package, Leo. <laughs> <laughs> now, OK, so this is when we hear this big explosion as Uncle Leo goes to open the package. But we find out later that it wasn't a bomb. It was an oven cleaner that Uncle Leo was using. He put the whole can in there. The pilot light was on. It blew up and it singed. His eyebrows. Now, Keeve, is any of this uh, passing the smell test for you? The package has no signs of an explosion. Uncle Leo's face has no signs of an explosion. Nothing else on Uncle Leo is burned. Right. And how close was he to the oven? Because it seems like he was sitting on his couch opening up the package, right? I mean, did he say, like, did he put the package down and then say something smells funny and then go into the kitchen and stick his head in the oven? But, That's possible. But if he's holding the phone, why aren't his hands burned? Like, enough, none of this makes sense. I feel like the singed hand, the singed face is, is like much more of a, um, like a, a, a 90s trope. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, like a more, more like an Archie Comics type thing where you like, you stick your head in something. And it's like, you're all black and, you know, like no major damage, but. Okay. So Uncle Leo's a cartoon at this point. Basically, he, you know, it's he. Our Uncle Leo is probably the most cartoonish of of all the regulars. That's probably fair. Yes. Okay. So then they ultimately are able to uh, get the box. Okay. So here it is. And so how did they get the box from Uncle Leo? How did they get the box from Leo? Yeah. I don't know. It's not really explained, right? They have it here. <laughs> Uh, I don't have in my notes whether Jerry had it already or Kramer comes in with it. I mean, I guess like, you know, I know we say that nothing happens off screen, but I guess it happened off screen. Yeah, somehow. 
I guess maybe Jerry had to take Leo to the hospital. And then yeah, they of- probably went to at least check up on him and then got the bug. Yes. Okay. So there's the stereo and uh, he opens it up and Kramer says, no, it looks like it was broken during shipping and I insured it for 400. I guess I skipped over the part where Kramer asked Jerry, would you like a refund on this stereo? Jerry says it's two years past the warranty and Kramer just asks him again. I asked, would you like a refund on the stereo? Right. I, I mean, so that's where it happened. Well, that's where the idea for this came from. Okay. Cause Jerry yeah. says you were supposed to get me a refund. And Kramer says, well, you can't get a refund. Your warranty expired. So what Kramer did was he insured the package for $400 and he broke the stereo inside the package. Now, the box that the stereo is in, I mean, shouldn't this be evidence that the post office didn't do this, Keeve? I mean, shouldn't Newman say, like, of course we didn't break your stereo. No stereo could fit in this box that is like a box that you would get a shirt in. Yeah, it's a good point. I think everything about the the package subplot is pretty questionable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So that Kramer and Jerry get into a conversation about it's a write-off. What do you mean it's a write-off? They just write it off. You don't even know what a write-off is. Neither do you. Uh, Keith, do you know what write-offs are? Yeah, you just write it off. Just write it off. Okay. I mean, right. I, I think I have an idea, but probably if I was asked to explain it on a test and like, three paragraphs i couldn't do it probably not okay uh we'll bring chester in for that if we i like i know the concept but i don't know what you can write off right Um, people are always like oh like you know they lost three million dollars but he can write it off and that never makes any sense to me i don't get it (laughs) yes all right so elaine is still trying to find another doctor she got through zimmerman and says she's at the end of the alphabet jerry says there's no zorn or uh And Elaine says they're on vacation. Again, how Elaine knows this, uh, that is it possible that one could reach the end of all the doctors in a small town like Manhattan? There's got to be thousands in the phone book, right? You would think so. Um, but I guess she went through them all. Listen, if if every doc, what if every doctor got one of these like APBs, like do not, you know, maybe a picture of Elaine's face. Do not let her into your office. Like that's such an unusual thing that I bet every doctor's office would pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so then what about Dr. Resnick? That's where Leo is going. Uh, and Elaine says, Resnick, that, that doctor's not listed. Uh, and Jerry says, he's not that good. Again, so she knew, not only did she call, you know, thousands of doctors in Manhattan, mm-hmm. she also remembered that, like, oh, Resnick, there's no rest- Resnick. Like, she knew by heart all the thousand doctors she had called. Right. <laughs> yes. All right, so meanwhile, over at, Kramer's place. We see a, a good chunk of uh, Kramer's apartment again uh, here where George is going to pose uh, for the pictures. And uh, again, George is a little bit like the shy model who does not necessarily uh, really feel self-confident about doing this. And we see Kramer work his magic with George. Listen, that's the mark of a great photog, right? Yes. Uh, George says he feels fat. And uh, Kramer says, no, no, you're stocky. The camera loves stockiness. I don't want you to do anything that makes you feel uncomfortable. This is tasteful. Relax. You're a fun guy. And he tells him, feel the beat. And he talks about his pecs under that T-shirt. I also love the fact that Kramer doesn't own a camera. Yeah, he has to use uh, George's camera. (laughs) Um, What was the point of that? Was that just the prop department only had one camera? No, I just think it's like a funny like idea that Kramer is this big photog. 
but doesn't even own his own camera because he's such a like a you know cheap weirdo. Yeah. And again, we see Jerry walking out. He hears the music. Here's Kramer saying, uh, you are a lover boy. And Jerry says, yeah, this can't miss. Yeah. At least, like Jerry knows what was going on. But mm-hmm. now this is an interesting scene, Keeve. Elaine is woken from sleeping by a call from somebody from the American Medical Association uh, confirming the spelling of her last name. Keeve, do you know who this is on the phone? Yes. Uh, it's Phil Hartman. Yeah. That's pretty wild. The late, great Phil Hartman. Yes. And how Seinfeld got Phil Hartman for this like nothing part uh, is I'm sure a good story. Yeah. But it's not in the, it's not in, there's no inside look about it or anything. Yeah. So here's just a random Phil Hartman uh, sighting as the person calling up Elaine and tells her, we need you to get off the line. We need to make another call. I mean, I guess it's not so hard to get someone to do like three seconds. I guess so. Maybe I, I think his relationship with Jerry, there is like, if you Google like Jerry and Hartman, there was some relationship there. Okay. So now we see Elaine uh, coming into the doctor's office with Uncle Leo. And she says, look, you just let me do all the talking. You're hairless and scared. Okay. Uh, And so Dr. Resnick comes through and uh, Elaine is pretending to be his nurse, Paloma. Uh, And Uncle Leo says, you're not my nurse. And she says, "Eh, he has good days and bad days. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Elaine is talking about how Uncle Leo has a rash. That's a big problem. Now, again, is there just one antidote to all rashes, Keeve? Are all rashes just created completely the same? I mean, she's just so desperate at this point. She figures if she gets a rash cream, I think there is one. Ant- like, there's different antidotes, but I don't think different rashes need to have different creams. But it's not like Poison Ivy has one Over cream. the counter for a rash? I mean, I feel like that it, the rash must be so bad that an over-the-counter, like, calamine lotion or whatever isn't working. She'd probably have to go up to, like, a steroid, which is an over-the-counter. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know what the doctor is going to prescribe, but he goes off to go and look for some ointment, and Elaine thinks something is up. Do you think something is up, Keeve? You mean, how does she know? Well, is she getting a bad read on the situation? Because it doesn't yeah, seem... Yeah, she's, she's getting a bad vibe. I feel like he's, he's sort of... He's being, like, a little too easy there that uh it's i think it's fair to like get nervous and she's paranoid because every doctor hates her it's not just in her head yeah and elaine says shut up i think he's on to us and leo is like well what about my eyebrows what was the doctor going to do for leo's eyebrows i want to know if they're going to grow back at least give him some reassurance (laughs) i guess so so elaine pulls a sharpie out from her purse and draws eyebrows on uncle leo yeah and i give the writers credit here because like just the idea that like the eyebrows, which are one are very funny looking, but also like give you know, the wrong impression of the doctor. It's a pretty it's it's like a tough joke to come up with. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a hilarious idea to give Uncle Leo fake eyebrows. Now, I do think that there are a lot of women that are drawing in eyebrows with different uh, makeup tools. I, I would do that. I'd be hard pressed to tell you what is it. Is it uh, mascara? I don't know. Eyebrow pencil? I, who knows, Keeve? But um, I do feel like that probably the roots for this story has to come from that there is a woman who drew the eyebrows and made herself have the appearance of being angry. Uh, yeah, it had to come from somewhere because otherwise it's super creative. Yeah, give, the writer a lot of, of the episode is a woman. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly uh, where the, the, to- the, the roots are. Does Jennifer Crittenden have another writing credit in Seinfeld? Um, I believe she does. The truth is there are enough interesting things in this episode that there's a hundred questions I would ask her, but she's not on Twitter. But I was going to try and get uh, Crittenden for um, 
what's it called for this uh episode the, uh she is still active she wrote on divorce which is the um super depressing like uh sarah jessica parker show sure that that um which one what yeah. you know just the, well the no. divorce that uh-huh. the one that just it just ended i'm making a joke yeah they, but she she has a bunch of episodes in eight and nine she just started with with the package yeah, this is her she, first episode she, she does five more. Yeah, uh, she does uh, the Little Jerry, the Millennium, the Apology, the Burning, and uh, co-writer of the Puerto Rican Day Parade. Well, I think every everyone has a co-write on the Puerto. Every single writer has has a co-write on that. Okay. Uh, they spread they spread the blame around. <laughs> yeah, um, they, <laughs> they say that uh, you know success has a million fathers, but uh, that's not the case with the Puerto Rican Day Parade. That's right. Um, yeah, but I, I, there are a lot of things we could ask Crittenden, but uh, I you know one of them being where you know a very good question would be where did the eyebrows. Th- even if she was just on Twitter, hey, where did the eyebrow story come from in the package? I bet she answers that. If she was on Twitter, I feel like she has max 5,000 followers. She's going to answer that question. Yeah. All right. So Jerry's at the post office and uh, that <laughs> Newman pulls him into uh, an interrogation uh, because he says that you've been under suspicion of mail fraud. Uh-oh. Um, so, okay. So we have to really establish here because this is maybe one of the most unrealistic episodes without like jumping into sort of like magical realism or anything like this episode just has a lot of things that are like 10 percent unrealistic but almost everything is like a little bit too impossible you know and one of them is the idea that newman is like the postal judge and jury at this post office (laughs) yeah okay that that's what you find to be uh so unbelievable there's a hundred things in this episode that are unbelievable yeah one of them is definitely this insane idea that that new like maybe that's why the other post office Danny or wherever they call him uh the other postal worker like knows Jerry knows Leo there's no work going on at, at this post office it's chaos you want to you want to go deliver mail one day you can like Newman has said that before right you could do whatever you want mm-hmm. and sa- same thing like yep Newman could just set up a back room blow up some pictures take the day off and and try and like catch his any arch enemy in a in a lie yep you're allowed to do that. <laughs> Okay, I'll go along with it. I, I didn't find it that far out of the universe of Seinfeld. No, I don't think I don't think this is either. But I, I do. Uh, I like the idea that Newman's in charge of the whole post office. Uh, like there's probably a whole department just for that. Yeah. So Mail fraud. We go back to the photo store. George drops off a roll of film for Sheila and it'll take an hour. Sheila, although does not seem super interested in developing George's photos, and she hands them off to Ron. Um, right. Why is she not? It's weird, right? Like, if she likes George, I, and she's really interested in him asking her out, is it strange, or is or no, because there's no reason to think that George is going to have this seductive picture in there, because she didn't actually send the other one. Yeah, I think that she likes George he's the you know uh cute guy that brings film into the store she sort of has a passing interest in him but I don't think she's actually obsessed with going through his photos like she's like okay let me she's just doing her job there accidentally ended up being a photo in there but you know it looks like from the way that the photo machine works it looks like you do see the photos as they're being developed yeah meaning what based on when we see ron doing it later and newman walks by and he sees the photo so it looks like you would just by developing a roll of film see all the photos that are in there all right i found jen crittenden on facebook not on twitter i, I what's what's my message to jen let's, we have no <laughs> we have no mutual friends <laughs> yeah, let's workshop that uh when we get to the end okay 
So I, I think that's, that there's not an obsession from photo store Sheila. Just like she likes them. Yeah. And maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's like she wants to respect his privacy because she likes them. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. What if he has a girlfriend? She doesn't want to know. Well, maybe that she might want to know. Yeah. So we go to this interrogation scene of Jerry being uh, questioned under the hot light by Newman. Although it seems like that Newman is the one sitting under the hot light. Uh, I think this is probably another callback to uh, the scene that Newman is in in Basic Instinct uh, where Sharon Stone is being questioned. And uh, Newman's really sweating under these hot lights. Uh, yeah, I, I, Newman's really great here. I mean, they must have really gotten him to like sweat, but I do love the uh, sweaty Newman. He's great. The guy that's with him is great also. Yeah, and they don't, I don't even, they don't really like give him a name or anything, but he's excellent. I, I remember thinking like during the scene, like this guy should be like part of the show. He's really good. Yeah, he's very funny. And so Newman is just, you know, grilling Jerry about, you know, uh, do you know how often that uh, mail fraud happens or how often, you know, a package gets broken, uh, says, you know, rarely and define rarely, well, frequently. And uh, he wants Jerry's soda. He won't. Jerry won't give him a sip. And uh, Jerry says, basically, you got nothing, Newman. And then they see Uncle Leo sign for the package. And Newman is uh, flustered. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, what kind of case does Newman really have against them to begin with? <laughs> well, yeah, I think the, the case that they decide, like, his idiot friends. I mean, I, how about this? Um, I mean, did Jerry send the stereo like uh, to himself from himself? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think so. That's why there's like no return postage or anything on it. Right. right. And, and also like, uh, how did a stereo fit in this box in the first place? I, I think there's a few smoking guns here. Yeah. A big update. I found Jen Crittenden on Twitter. Oh, uh, how many followers? Uh, 5,800. Not very. Oh, wow. You, you really nailed that though. What did I say? You said like, uh, she can't have more than 5,000. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're right there. She's not really out there so much. Okay. I, I think it looks like she the election broke her because there was a lot of uh, uh, a lot of <laughs> no I'm serious I'm saying like there's a lot of election tweets and she hasn't posted no I get it. I, I don't think she's alone with that no I know for sure there's yeah. a lot of people who I think by the way I think everyone should take like a Twitter break not not election related I'm, I'm saying about it yeah I think everyone should take a Twitter break for like three weeks all of us three weeks three yeah. weeks Twitter break now to like January eighth. Then we'll come out guns blaze on January 8th. But like why? I feel like every year everyone should take three weeks off yeah. of Twitter. I'm thinking the week between uh, Christmas and New Year's. Maybe I'm going to go dark. I, I almost think we should gamble on this because there's no way you're going to be able to do it. You don't think so? Well, what's you, the you, can you can you can you even post a show? The problem is, yeah, I post a I post a podcast and then, you know, I want to tell people to listen to it. So how many podcasts are you posting the week of, of, between Christmas and New Year's? Uh, I will have two shows that will be on RHAP and uh, two shows that will be on post show recaps including well, think one. about like think about all the people that like maybe they could use a pick me up they could use you know they could use uh, their loan for the holidays or you know the 2016 didn't go their way and they could use those four shows but they could probably figure out iTunes how to use them I feel like mm -hmm. your retweet maybe you know I just won't like, be tweeting a lot during that time I think that what if you but what about zero see you've already you've already couched like well, you've gone you off think of the I zero can't do it i know you can't do it no likes no tweets for oh for i can't even week. like what people are saying to me you can go back seven days later and like whatever you want and you could you could leave and say hey just taking a social media break for a week uh, spending time with my family that's like telling wink, wink. the burglars hey i'll be out of town for uh the next <laughs> well what does that days. mean people are gonna like at you like Yo, you know, all hell gonna start like loose 
Keeve. So you think it's better if you don't tell them about your Twitter break before you go on the Twitter break? That's right. People are going to be worried about you after like three days. They're going to be like, oh, man. I mean, if someone if you someone tweets at you and you don't get the like, you're like, oh, no, did Rob like he didn't like that? Is it is he offended? Mm-hmm. You know, like did I heard it. You know, people are going to be because you're a big liker. So, Keeve, are you saying um, I should do it or are you saying I shouldn't do it? I think you should and you can't. The problem for me is that I am constantly like looking at Twitter and it like distracts me from doing other things. No, I think you should delete the app for a week, Rob. Delete the app for one week. I think you're speaking the same way an addict speaks right now. Mm -hmm. Like you're like, well, the pro, you know, I just need like, well, I can't go without, you know, retweeting my own four podcasts that only eight people can listen to because it's the. It's it's December twenty fifth. Oh, people listen to more podcasts, baby. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. I know that people do. But will people not find them if you don't tweet about them? The people who are who are your core listeners, they'll know how to find it without uh, without the post. And you and we only said Twitter. You could actually post on Facebook. Okay. Hey, I have a podcast. All right. What if this? What what if I found somebody who had the most Twitter followers to like, and then I can call them and say, Mm -hmm. "This is a tweet from Rob." He wants you to listen to the next podcast. Yes. And like the most Twitter followers in the world, like, no, like the most Twitter followers is, is willing to do this. OK, so like, who it would that be? be How many? Yeah. Well, well I, I have the least Twitter followers, I think, of any of your co. So you'd really it, it would be hard for it to be me unless I'm getting like an overnight bump. I'd have to like say something really racist and like, you know, be one of those like has Akiva landed yet moments. And then Akiva I have like 10,000 followers right. by the morning. Right. I keep exposed party. That's not bad. <laughs> uh, who has the most? Like Tyson? How many does Tyson have? Yeah, I don't, uh, a, a lot. Uh, like probably 30,000. 30, I mean, this could not be less boring or could not be more boring for. Uh, I think people like this. Yeah. <laughs> 31. Well, how many does Mets blog guy have? 31.8. He uh, would post them for you. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Cerrone. He's got, he's yeah. Gonna send that, I'm going to call in my tweets to him. Yeah, well, maybe like one per person. You don't want to like overload somebody's, you know, somebody's right, we'll uh, Twitter. We'll see. We'll see. We'll talk about this. What uh, about like President Obama? He's a lame duck. He was going to get in trouble for for tweeting out your podcast once or twice. I feel like we could call in some favors. You were, you know, maybe maybe we know the guys at the 1600 podcast and we'll see them at a podcasters convention I mean, when, or like, something. What are you we'll even talking about <laughs> that we're going to get Obama to be like uh, <laughs> tweeting things? <laughs> You've lost it. <laughs> what was the bet? I want to know what you would have, what you're willing to be bet to bet on. I, I can do it. I, that I, that you. I don't know if you have anything of value that you can offer me. What What are you oh, saying? Uh, I'm rich. What do you mean? What, what are you, you pay, nothing you're of value? Pay me money to not tweet. Um. What? Um. Hmm. Yeah. What do I have of value? I've got a Mark Sanchez poster. I just I, I don't. Out my... How much do I have to pay <laughs> you to keep it? Well, I, I could get it signed. Uh, I mean, I have to like my sister's who? in high school. I'm sure she could get it. <laughs> yeah, man, it's, uh, get it signed by Joe Namath. I have a Namath helmet. It's my dad's, though. Yeah, I, well, but I, I would. No, I would. You have to send me your Namath helmet. Uh, but I, I can. Well, I don't it. want it. And Namath's an idiot. But uh, someone got it. I'm like, oh, that's such a nice present. They brought it over to our house. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, that's like an awesome present. And I'm like thanking them. Like, no, I actually brought it for your dad. Which is weird because, like, I would appreciate him. He's a Jets fan, but, like, I would appreciate him much more than him. I, it was, like, a weird thing. Like, just give me the name of the helmet. Mm-hmm. And now I could have now I could have offered it to you in a bet because I have no use for freaking name of the helmet. <laughs> all right. Let's finish talking about this episode. All let's right. uh, yeah. go through all of this. So that we go back to uh, Kramer and Elaine. And uh, Kramer needs Elaine's scarf to go in and try to get the files from the doctor's office. Uh, why does he need the scarf? It just looks good. Uh, I don't know. I think it was going to help him uh, really get into character. And nope. so 
Uh, he's going to go into the doctor's office and he says that he is Elaine's doctor, Dr. Van Nostrin from the clinic, and he needs Elaine Bennis's chart. He thought Elaine's last name was Bennett outside and she gets upset uh, with him for not knowing her last name. That's a running joke that he doesn't know anybody's name. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, he is from the clinic, the Hoffer Mandale Clinic in Belgium, in the Netherlands. And then eventually uh, Kramer gets kicked out of the doctor's office. Uh, you gotta when you're doing that, you gotta come in with a lot of confidence. Yeah, not a great. You can't job be switching up what country you're from. Belgium, Netherlands. You know, you gotta you gotta come and be like, uh, you know, it's an emergency. I need the I need the the uh, papers. Yeah, he didn't do as good of a job as when he pretended to be Elaine's boyfriend uh, when she was seeing the psychiatrist. Yeah, and to be fair, Elaine is such like a persona non grata in every doctor's office in Manhattan. There's once you say that name, you're setting off alarms like you're not getting her papers. <laughs> no, nobody's getting it. All right. And now they have a chart. On unless Kramer. you unless you said, like, I'm like a policeman and I want to like oh. put her in jail. Yeah. You know, then then they probably happily hand them over. You'd have to go like negative, Elaine. That's good. That's a good idea. All right. So George is at the photo store and uh, they tell him that the photos are not ready yet. So. Uh, that he is, uh, they're going to go and uh, look for the photos. They don't, nobody knows where they are. Um, I mean, one hour photo, you should probably get them free if they're not ready in an hour, right? You would think so. Uh, so George asks Sheila, maybe we can go out and do something. And she says, sure. Uh, they sort of leave it at that. And then... Uh, yeah, very casual. Yes. I guess they'll work it out when they find the photos. And then on the way out, George bumps into Ron, of course, uh, the rather large man that works at the photo store as well. And uh, they have a moment, Keeve. Uh, they do. Ron is super into George. And uh, th- this like random mention like, oh, I forgot to tell you, uh, you know, a mailman came in here and like took the photos. He says it so casually. It's bizarre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that he has a card and it's Newman. Did you watch the deleted scene where Newman yeah. uh, comes through? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It adds a lot to it. Honestly, adds a lot. Like, I, it's not super funny, but like in the context of the episode, it really uh, makes more sense that like Newman is a lot shadier about it and sort of like tricks them. Yeah, he holds up a badge, which is really just a book of stamps. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Newman has now called Jerry and George into his office. Uh, and so he ends up showing the picture of Jerry with the screwdriver at the stereo, which is uh, a pretty good reveal from the beginning of the episode. Uh, yeah, that is not bad. Yeah. I mean, like it's it's actually like one of the more subtle ways that they tie things in but it's great yeah so once jerry is busted that sends uh newman into a tizzy where uh he ends up going on one of his classic uh newman rants where the other guy has to finally is there like newman it's like okay there'll be a small fine uh yeah I, i'm like it's mail fraud i'm actually surprised there's only a small fine to be honest no i think that there's probably a hefty fine and from what i understand i think it's like 15 years in jail potentially yeah that. they're always threatening like they have these insane uh, you know, like if you, you know, read someone else's mail, you're going to jail for like seven years. They're always like threatening these insane things that like I've never like, could you imagine like you're in, you're in, the, you're in the joint. Like, what are you in you're, for? <laughs> you're for like mail fraud. I, read I opened up my mail. neighbor's letter accidentally. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> there's, the judge said he wanted to give me less, but there's nothing he can do. The guideline says seven years. Yeah. I thought I was going to be able to get some racy photos in here, but it turns out that's not <laughs> even the case. Yeah, they tacked on three more years for some more mail fraud of me trying yeah. to get racy photos. Yeah, I said, I said, I came across some somebody else's letters. I opened them. They didn't have any racy photos either. 
Yeah, you think j- prison like mail they, also has mail fraud, and that's yes. like another seven yeah, years? Yeah, what are they going to do? You throw you into solitary for opening up other people's mail when you're already in for mail fraud? Wow. Yeah. All right. So then, uh, not so fast, George. Uh, he wants to leave. And we have another photo, which clearly indicates George's involvement in some ill-conceived mail-order pornography ring, as does uh, this one found in the same disturbing packet. Uh, and it's a picture of George and then the picture of Ron, to which uh, Jason Alexander delivers a uh, perfect, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, Th- this whole scene is really fantastic. Yes. Uh, and then in comes Sheila, <laughs> who uh, says, uh, George, uh, she's very upset. I mean, if she just saw George's picture and not Ron's, like, is she as is she like, is yes. it is it over still? It's yes. still over. <laughs> okay. still over. Both things are over. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Jerry with a really great button at the end. Uh, he turns and looks at the photo and says, uh, the timeless art of seduction. Yeah, great line. Great line. Uh, we end up with a tag of Elaine at a vet with Uncle Leo and Kramer uh, waiting to be uh, seeing a veterinarian. Uh, they had to go to like some farm and the dirt road really hurt Uncle Leo's back. Uh, and then notice uh, who the other person in the waiting room is, Keith. Who's the other person? Uh, one of the Seinfeld writers who uh, that I'm want to make sure I get his. Is it uh, Melman? Uh, no, it's not Melman. Uh, who's the who works on Veep now? Oh, who runs Veep? Yes. Uh, the big guy. Yes. Uh, what's his name? Mandel. Yes, that's who it is. So, Dave, uh, David Mandel. Yeah, David, David Mandel. David Mandel. So, uh, that is the package. A lot going on there. A lot going on. Busy episode. Very busy. Very busy episode. All right. So uh, let's talk big picture on terms of the uh, the core four. Uh, Jerry, ultimately, he uh, tries to get a refund on his stereo. Doesn't have a ton going on in this episode. It's too open-ended. It's a little unrealistic with the bomb, and uh, even though it leads to funny stuff. Yeah, I guess I, I, I give could it... say he's Uncle Leo part of the story. Yeah, I give it a C plus that part. I think it's a, it's a B. I think that the Uncle Leo. I think you have to. Uh, although he's probably funnier in the Elaine part of the story, uh, I'll give him a B. The stuff with him and Newman at the post office is really funny. I think you have to connect that stuff to Jerry. So I'll, I'll give it a B. What about Kramer? He doesn't really have a lot to do in this episode either. He takes photos of George and he sends the box with the stereo. Um, Kramer. Uh, I mean, he's pretty good as Vanostrin, but it's not like an epic scene. It, it, you're right. It's pretty light lifting. I'll give him a B. Yeah, I, I would say a B as well. All right. So what about Elaine? Uh, she has a lot to do here in this episode with everything going on at the doctor's office and being difficult. Yeah. Classic Elaine episode. I give her an A for sure. Difficult patient. Famous Elaine bit. All right. I agree. And what about George where he has a thing for the woman from the one hour photo? Yeah. I mean, the picture itself is just worth it. Iconic. It, a very iconic image. Really grown with age. You, it's like a meme now almost. It's that's an A. It's an A. Uh, I can't disagree uh, with that either, Keith. So where does this episode land in your rankings? Uh, strong episode, perhaps an underrated episode. Yeah. I will say that you have this at number 65. Oh, you're very close. Uh, if somebody said, hey, this is like top 30, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I have it at 58. Um, you know, one, another episode that's probably like even better the first time you see it with like the reveal because the reveal of the three pictures is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, the big, you know, the, the blown up pictures. But, you know, knowing it's coming, still great. But like that first time you see it, it's like, oh, wow, this is really something special. So 58, but it's a really strong episode that could be in anybody's top 20 or 30. 
All right, why don't we start off with Johnny DeSilvera, who says, how can Dr. Resnick not tell those aren't Uncle Leo's real eyebrows? You know, I actually think I for, I uh, skipped over that in our, I mean, that might have been right at the height of talking about this Twitter bet. Uh, where, yeah, we really, we lost we lost track here as many times we ever have. Before. Yes, uh, where Dr. Resnick walked in and said, okay, Uncle Leo, why are you so angry? Uh, I'm not, I'm not, like, please. And these you're being difficult, Leo. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, but he, there is a very simple answer to Johnny's question. He's a bad doctor. He's not even in the phone book. He sucks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I agree with that. All right. Uh, what about Megan S? Uh, she asks a wonderful question. Do either of you consider yourselves bombable? Bombable. Um, no, I think that it would really be overkill. I, I mean, speaking for myself only for somebody to send me a bomb. Yeah. And would it be like I hated I rewatched your seasons of Survivor? And I hated you, uh, or would it be like you? I heard you bad. Ma- you know, if you were bombed, I don't think you would be bombed. Mm-hmm. It would definitely be a Big Brother player. Yeah, I mean, Big no Brother question. is a lot more combustible. Uh, Those people, if someone like listens but doesn't watch Big Brother, like there's the 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 emotions run really high with those people. Yeah, and they it's they don't find people like who are like the most normal people on earth. They're like going for some of the real crazies out there. Yeah. So. It would be so, a big brother. It would be thing. a podcast thing. Are you bombable? No, I, I no, and I don't even open the mail. So if you're trying to bomb me, haha, jokes on you. You probably got like my wife. <laughs> Good. My wife, my my. We pass like uh the, the there's like mail keys here. You have like uh you know, yeah. and and my son's like, hey, can we get the mail? I love getting the mail. I'm like, I don't even have a mail key. I don't even know what it looks like. My wife has it. Okay. What about Chester? Is Chester bombable? I, I think it's more of like a, a punchable face than <laughs> also like if you it's you know, he's bragged he's got 40 doormen. You're going to end up accidentally bombing one of his lovely doormen. So I don't I don't think that's uh, that's a nice thing to do. Yeah. OK. Uh, Craig from Vancouver asks, uh, when Rob took down the Kramer picture, I hope he put the George one up in its place. It's a great conversation starter. When people ask, you can just say the timeless art of seduction. Well, you know, uh, that was a poster as well, the George poster. I yes. think at times I thought about buying that poster, but I just could never, you know, come to terms with I, I just didn't have enough confidence in my masculinity to be able to. Have but I feel like poster. now you do. How about that's our bet. Winner buys the loser. The, the loser buys the winner. The George poster. And they have to hang it up and they have to hang it up. OK, so the winner so, the, so you, if you win this, you actually have to spend money. Actually, no, I'm wondering. No, the, the loser buys the winner, the George Poster. But now I'm thinking maybe the loser needs to hang up the yeah. George Poster. The loser should buy the loser, the George photo. That's really, the winner. The loser should, has to buy themselves, you're saying. Yes, the George yes, the winner should not have to be bothered by right. having to buy a photo. <laughs> or even having the photo. Or having the photo or hanging it up. So the loser should do everything. Um, yeah, I think that would be, uh, that would be something. Okay. So what are the terms of this? Um, the terms are no tweeting, no like. I will tweet whatever you want. I don't know why you'd want my 950 followers. I'd say 925 of them also follow you. Um, but I, I'm any, you know, no tweets, no likes for a week. For a week. Seven days. Seven days. Boy, it's going to be so boring to you know be home all this time i know with your family i know i know i'm just trying (laughs) is the juice you're gonna come back after a week you're gonna be like 
well, it's obviously not worth it. Like to have me have a poster. At least if you have it, like you'd see it in every podcast background. No, like me, I've I've never been on video once. Like people, I, I might not even be a real shot. person. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'll take one picture of it. Uh, boy. Hmm. You could you could get back to me. We could yeah. we could go. You know, you we could we could let people know what happened next week. Okay. All right. Uh, well, people will know if they were like, I didn't go on Twitter for a week. What if you post? What if you like posted um, a poll after this? Like, could I go, or is that too self serving? Like, do you guys think I could? Thing, you know, I bet? just don't want to alert like the like the people to like that are going to try to bait me into um, like uh, Rob is. Uh, a supporter uh, of you know something horrible and mm-hmm. by not favoring this this is tacit uh you know like, you know what agreement I'm like, yeah i, 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 I think like, that's very specific and you're almost giving people ideas they're not good ideas but you're giving right, people ideas right i just don't want to invite the cr- the crazies to start to conspire against me i hear you and then they might they end up like after six days they'll be like if rob doesn't answer this is a sign right. like if rob doesn't right. answer me by the seventh day i'm sending him a bomb or something like this, like, uh, you know, Rob Sesternino is uh, a misogynist. And if he does mm-hmm. not, all he has to do is deny it. And I will say that he is like it, 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 people will do stuff like that. But I'll de- we could deny it for you. Like, or you have a whole army of like co-hosts. They can mm-hmm. still be on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, uh, well, are people going to be if we announce it or will people be taunting me? What, what do you think your wife would say if you told her you're taking a week break from Twitter? She'd be like, either who cares or you I know. think she'd be happy. She'd be like, oh, great. You could spend more time with the kids or something or, or no, good, good. Now you can do this this thing that I need you to do. Because like Twitter's going to go out of business in 18 months. And, and like this conversation is going to seem quaint when we're we'll like, we can't even live without Twitter for a week. Like we're going to have to live without it forever. Before then. Ooh, what? Yeah. What if like it's, you know, I like I have a bunch of relatives who work at Facebook and none at Twitter. Mm hmm. And I, did, I was thinking, like, do you think there's any connection there? Like, could I ask for you have no interest in Facebook verification? No, right? I mean, I, really... I take it. I wouldn't kick it out of bed. I know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you we get your Twitter verified. Yeah, uh, we'll see. My wife came in and said I should delete my Twitter account. Should, <laughs> now, should I go a week without tweeting? Um, <laughs> Which I do often. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Well, let's keep going through this uh, mailbag. Okay. Uh, what about Lindsay? Uh, Lindsay says, have either of you ever gotten any unexplained mail that you feel felt weird about receiving? I once got a package I wasn't expecting, but it turned out to have a really boring explanation. It was just my mom sending me a present. Um, would you, would you be scared? Like if you had a big package at your, at your house and not a PO box, uh, would you be, would, would you be suspicious of this package? Uh, sure. I I feel like that there was something recently that I can't, uh, oh yeah, I got like a, well, (laughs) I think I got like a present from somebody that, uh, got sent to my house that, that nobody has, nobody has claimed. Uh, oh, so it was on, but is it a secret Santa thing? Maybe I don't know what it is. I don't know what, I I don't know if it's from like a family member, like there's no card. Um, but something came addressed to me recently, but that didn't freak me out. But uh, I'm trying to think. I'm sure I've gotten like weird stuff at my PO box uh, before. Right, but that's at least like that's out there. They like people. You put your PO box out there. Yeah. Um. So it's not like out of the blue. I don't know when you were on TV. Did you get mail like actual letters from people? No, because nobody could con. Nobody knew where to contact you. Real, but right, like they couldn't. You know, Google existed. They couldn't Google. I'm sure like your parents' address was like 
where something was accessible in like the phone book or something. No, we always had an unlisted uh, phone because my dad was oh, a police officer. Oh, because he was a police officer. Yes. Ah, I got it. Okay. Yeah. I hear you. That makes yeah. sense. Um, no, we so never, you didn't get any mail. This is such a cliche of like, I got all these letters and you didn't get any letters. No, I didn't get any letters. No. Oh, man. Yeah. It was like, send nudes and nobody sent them. Nobody said, believe me, nobody sent it. Uh, <laughs> all right, Keith. Uh, then Brandon's looking for relationship advice. A woman expressed interest in dating me recently, confessed she's not a Seinfeld fan. Is this a deal breaker? Also, she has cats. Now, Brandon, if you're a loyal listener here, we don't, our, our listeners don't have names. I feel like we need, they need like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the name would be. I guess like people uh, who have, should have better things to do with their time. I don't know. What's, 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 what's the, the acronym on that? Yeah. People yeah. who, that, that, that does the listeners. P-W-H. It should be people who don't have better things to do with their time. Right. People who, right. P-W. D. Things to do. B. T. Yeah. Time. Um, the, um, the, so then he knows that we we're in, we're fans of not having anything in common with your significant other. Yeah. So, do, you, do I want like a casual fan watching the jet game with me? No, I yeah. like I'm going to have to explain everything. Yeah. They're going to have bad opinions on like they're going to be like, wow, this Todd Bowles, he's really a winner. Yeah. And I'm going to like lose my mind and have to leave the room. So, no, you don't. It's a plus if she's not a Seinfeld. Yeah. Fan. Don't worry about her not being a Seinfeld. Fan. My wife, my wife loves friends and can't watch Seinfeld. Yes. Yes. Um. Yeah, I don't think that my wife could answer like the most basic ten question uh, Seinfeld trivia quiz, um, or Survivor, or Big Brother, yeah, so any, or anything, or 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 Rob's sister Nino. <laughs> yeah, right, that's right. <laughs> what is Rob's middle name? Yes, uh, Ariel wants to know, Keeve. Since you guys talked about so many esoteric random things, if the topic comes up, I'd like to know if you have a hot take on the correct spelling of Hanukkah and why yours is the correct version and why. You think there are so many different spellings. It really bothers me. I'm also like a big Twitter searcher. So if you ever want to like search something in Hanukkah related, uh, like people are always asking me, hey, is that like reality TV contestant Jewish or not? And like one of the easiest ways to find it would be if they mentioned it. But it's impossible to search Hanukkah because it's spelled a hundred different ways. But the, but the answer to her question, C-H-A-N-U-K-A-H, the way she spelled it in the email. That's the only correct way to spell it. Only correct. Way to spell it. Why are there so many misspellings? I have no idea. I just think it's like transliterate because the ha is like the way we would say it. So you're saying it like transliterated almost, you know, where whereas Hanukkah is like the English, like in the dictionary, I'm sure it's with an H and not a CH. But the way like it would be said, um, you know, like in the Bible, if it was in there, would be mm-hmm. uh, with, with a C, with a Z. Yeah. I, Keeve, uh, do you think that people will be upset that we didn't make a big enough deal about Festivus? Um, I think, uh, you know, somebody said it is a shame that we have the Festivus episode. It's coming, you know, in the winter, basically, mm-hmm. like, you know, in the, almost the spring, like, you know, much, uh, you know, well after when it should be. I, I, we haven't gotten to it yet, so it's not in the canon of our podcast. So I'm not yes. sure how we could celebrate. Do you it. think that maybe people will listen to our Festivus podcast every December 23rd from now I think on. they should. I think they should. I think it should be a Festivus tradition. We will do an, like an especially like unlistenable three hour podcast for you on Festivus. <laughs> Just to like family. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, what about Evan in Tuscaloosa? Ooh, good luck to the uh, the tide. Um, why didn't Elaine just fold her chart and put it in her purse? Doctors never would have seen it. I think the answer is, you know, like you said, there's a fax machine issue where she thinks she's getting away with it, but ultimately there's copies of the chart. Mm-hmm. They're not sending their only copy of the doctor's office because what if she's just going to a, you know, another doctor like 
the, there's no way that there's just like couriers running charts up and down the city all day long. It's insane. No, no way. Um, Matt Massachusetts says, do you think that Leo's signature is simply Uncle Leo? Uh, that could be the name he is listed under in the phone book. and could explain why last season Frank was able to find his number when he called Morty to inform him they're moving to Del Boca Vista. Do you think that, that Leo, I'm not sure what his last name is. Is it Seinfeld? No, it's whatever. The no, he's Helen's. Yeah. He's Helen's. Uh, yeah. yeah, we don't know. So, uh, but yeah. remember, because he said Newman looks at the signature right in the post office, and he says, "Ooh, it says Uncle Leo." Yes, which is a bananas thing to say. I mean, could if, it be Uncle Leo is just an insane person and signs his name as Uncle Leo? Oh, I mean, he may have legally changed his name to Uncle Leo. He's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, because Jerry is famous. He's the famous Uncle Leo. Yes. Okay. Uh, what about Falconer? Sean Falconer. All right. So Falconer says you, we, that we always talk about Kramer's job possibly being that he's a drug dealer. Falconer likes the theory, um, but he thought like what, you know, since we've mentioned Kramer's had about seven concussions already, Falconer has a different theory for how he has money. What do you think of the idea that Kramer's on some sort of disability assistance due to a concussion related work injury? The average income for disability is fairly low, but given all the money Kramer sends on not buying groceries and he wears secondhand clothes, it's likely enough for him to cover his rent and mucho of Jerry. Alternatively, after his first concussion, he won some kind of lawsuit that's allowed him to live off the proceeds all these years. Yeah, that's not bad. Maybe it's a Jackie Childs thing. Um, what about the idea that, like, I, I think it's maybe more simple that, um, is Occam's razor that the, the simple theory is yeah. always the right one? Yeah, so maybe an, a Kramer's razor here is um, that it's just a rent control department and it's really cheap and he has no money and that's why he's always mooching off Jerry. Yeah, that's probably it. Also, I think if Kramer was familiar with how these uh, like personal injury lawsuits work, I don't think that he would be so quick to accept uh, coffee for life or right. Or, uh, Unless he's set for life and he doesn't need the money, and he's just like, "Ooh, I, I don't need the money, but I'd love like coffee every time I walk into you know Starbucks or McDonald's or whatever." Yeah, I guess so. But he doesn't seem like he's been to this rodeo before when those things come up. Um. It's a good point. I think this is the eternal mystery of the show. Yeah. All right. Dr. Thomas says, uh, this Elaine story has always bothered me. There are so many things wrong with it. It would never happen. Yes, doctors have many difficult patients, but it would be highly unprofessional to write that in their file. It's medically negligent to not only do that, but not even examine the patient's rash. The doctors also apparently have no idea about patient confidentiality laws. You can't simply share medical records without patient consent. And a patient has every right to access their medical files. Horrible, horrible subplot that taints an otherwise iconic George episode. All right. We have different. Dr. Thomas is an Australian doctor. We have different rules in the U.S. of A. And you're allowed to not see any any patient you don't want to see. If they're smelly, they're gross. You don't have to see them. If they're smelly. Is that yeah, the Hippocratic oath? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I once had a massage, like a, a physical therapist or some or uh, no, a chiropractor. <laughs> Say that he doesn't treat the smelly patients; he gives them to his assistant. And then that's why you had to go see the assistant. Yeah, you have to see like if someone's if you think someone's going to be smelly, sends it to the assistant. And but this did this happen to you? Did you get kicked down to the assistant? No, 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 no. It's a friend. Like a friend of mine said this. No, no, no. Like he didn't say like, sorry, you have to go to the assistant. He said like he just mentioned you know because I said like it's you're putting your hands on people a lot. It's like it's you know pretty like you have to be not grossed out by people. You know you don't get to choose who comes to you as a chiropractor. And he's like. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I have an assistant, so the, the, the assistant gets the gross people. Mm-hmm. Okay. All <laughs> right. Dan, the benefactor, says, as far as I can tell, the whole male fraud reveal at the end doesn't make sense. Why would the picture of Jerry in the stereo be in the same role as George's glamour shots? George takes that photo. Then at least a day passes. 
The stereo's package shipped, delivered to Jerry. George comes back from the photo store with a fresh set of prints. The Jerry stereo photo should only be in that role, especially because George only took the photo to use up film and give him an excuse to go back to the Photoshop. This is a great work by Dan, the benefactor. Yeah. As always, Dan. Yeah. Um, George takes the photo at the beginning of the episode and then he goes out and takes photos uh, on the Mercedes uh, with Burt Reynolds. Yeah, that's definitely a different role of film. I, listen, I, this tweet is going to be very long to Jennifer Crittenden after we're done today. Yes. She yes. may. She, no one's ever blocked me before. She may be the first person to block she me. May be. She may Especially be. Especially when I, when I start with, what an idiot thinking that, any, that the mailman could possibly know Jerry and Uncle Leo and that they're related. <laughs> that's an yeah. immediate block. Yes. And I'm going to hashtag it with MAGA. <laughs> Just <'cause she's laughs> and then how did you get the idea for the Uncle yes. Leo eyebrows? Yeah, which is a real question that she might answer, but I'm getting blocked before Maybe I ask you that should one. open with that, and then it's like, then you have... Yeah, that'll be my... Order. Listen, I'm not great with the ladies. I open with the, like, the mean thing, and then go for, like, the, the, the smart compliment. They're already out. Um, yeah, I'll start... I'll open with that, and then if she responds, I'll be like, but... And then do, I'll do the Jerry and Leo follow-up. But, like, that is pretty silly, you know? I'll try mm. and say it nicely. And then it'll be like, the divorce show really was kind of lousy. I kind of quit it after three episodes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe she'll try to win you back. All right. Uh, Keeve, then what about Nolan? Yeah, he's still reeling that we're uh, unfortunately unable to come to his bachelor party. But, um, you know, maybe maybe uh, marriage number two. Great timing for this week's podcast, The Fall on the Week of Christmas. And it syncs up with Elaine's callback to her famous Christmas card. Yes. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. We plan this out. Every single, you guys think this is random. Every single episode is tied to that week. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, next week, I'm sure there'll be New Year's stuff and we got like, you know, we like January 15th. There's a big like MLK day sort of uh, theme. Uh, he also says Newman's card has absolutely no contact information on it. It's completely useless. Reminds me of superheroes or vigilantes that leave their calling cards in old TV shows and crime. So the police would know they were there. I mean, that's what he was doing, right? He was flashing his book of stamps, uh, you know, and getting out of there and showing like you've gotten got. Yes. Yeah. That's you think that he, that was sort of like just his calling card of uh, basically his supervillain as opposed to to basically go and find him. But I mean, it does work. Sheila goes to the post office. I mean, Newman is a supervillain. Newman could literally be like the third level, like Batman, you know, villain who gets killed in like the fifth, first 15 minutes of a Batman movie. <laughs> but you've never seen a Batman movie. I saw like the Batman and Robin one. Yes. Okay. The worst one. <laughs> the worst one. OK. Uh, and then finally, here's Chester. Uh, Chester says, uh, so I spoke to Dr. Jen about medical records. One is entitled to his or her own medical records. You can make a formal request and there's a process, but you can see it. So Elaine's behavior in this episode wasn't necessary. On that note, why does Elaine return the chart to the doctor in the elevator? I guess she didn't know the rules. Yeah. I mean, listen, we're not old Dr. Jen, by the way. Happy birthday, Dr. Jen. 25th birthday. Very exciting. Yes. Okay, so now uh, Chester uh, follows that up where he gets into uh, some, uh, I guess, the, uh, the hotter takes in an email. He says, Kramer likes what George is wearing? Looks to me like George is possibly wearing the least sexy underwear ever created. And with black dress socks? Wow. I didn't know Kramer was a fashion critique. But this brings us to our first ever ad on the podcast. Uh, me undies. Uh, do you like your underwear? Do you, do you want to look great in your underwear? We'll send you a fresh pair every month. Wow. Um, not used. No black socks go with it. The black so- black socks, not a great look with just the underwear. I no. agree. No. Uh, Chester then says, I don't believe that the post office has subpoena powers over one hour photo shops. 
Yeah, you should have watched the deleted scene, Chester, and not wasted our time with that comment. We <laughs> and then finally, it was it was a it was a fraud. And Chester adds, uh, "The package is a terrible name for an amazing episode. First of all, Jerry's storyline is the episode's worst. Second, a package is so vague. Anyway, how about the timeless art of seduction, the one hour photo, or the medical chart? Yeah, no, we're on the, the same page socks. here, Chester. Black, <laughs> still a better name. <laughs> yes. All right. Thank you, uh, Chester." Uh, and thank, thank you, Chester, for rating the Seinfeld Post Show Recap, the number two podcast of 2016. Oh, there's so many. It's so uh, disheartening, Rob, both as a, you know, a podcaster here and an RHP fan. So many, you know, top 50 podcast lists. Those eventually they're going to be they started at top 10 in like 2014. Now every site does a top 50 podcast. Soon they're going to be top 500. Uh, Seinfeld Post Show Recap podcast about nothing, maybe because of the very ver- verbose name we have. Uh, not on a single list. Not mm-hmm. we did other than Chester's. We didn't make any lists. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for 2017, I know we won't exist anymore by December of 2017, but it would still be great in in absentia. Now we could make a list. We won't exist as in the free. Like our world wives will, will both have gone? murdered us. Oh, oh both. Okay. Yes. Our wives will kill us probably like three days before, you know, just like uh, we get hit by an asteroid. But. Um, this podcast, I think, is going to end in September, probably. And I don't know, like, you know, absent, you know, the same way movies have a better chance to make, you know, the Oscar list if they come out in December rather than like February and everyone forgets about them 12 months later. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I don't. It's going to be hard for us, but I feel like we can do it. We can make like the best hundred podcast list next year, 2017. Like it'll be, you know, when it was there, you know, people sort of could take it or leave it. Now that it's gone, it's like a hidden gem. It's like uh, the Big Lebowski. I hope so. I, I do think that uh, for years to come, I'm hoping that people will uh, appreciate this run of podcasts. Uh, they say long tail. You know, <laughs> people have a long tail. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Uh, there you have it, Keith. What, what's the the hashtag? Uh, P-W-D-H-B-T-T-D-W-T-T? Yes. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> the acronym for people who don't have better things to do with their time. Yes. P-W-D-H-B-T-T-D-W-T-T. There you go. <laughs> Save you some space. There you go. All right. That's the acronym for uh, the people who listen to this podcast. All right, Keeve. Uh, what, what, so, uh, of course, you and Chester counted down your top 10 podcasts of... 2016 uh that's up on the 32 fans yeah yeah what do you think of that episode uh uh it was good i liked it yeah there was it was very you know it's self-serving but it's funny when we when we don't talk about football we get a lot more listeners <laughs> yeah we had way more feedback yeah, you know week. i was into it because i feel like i've been so checked out of the nfl season uh this yeah. year so i feel like okay mm-hmm. this is interesting and I, i'm always that's looking true. for uh, new podcast recommendations key you do any audio books I, I don't. Um, I feel like my attention span is getting worse. I, if you said, hey, this is an audio book, you, read. you have You're to a reader. I read only on like on Saturdays when I don't go on the computer. OK, yes. I'll read like long reads, but not full books. Yeah. During okay. the week. Well, I'm looking for if you listen, if you said there's this book that's a must read, I would definitely get it. I don't know if I'd get it on tape. I might just buy it, but I would I would be willing to check it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you like podcasts, then next week we're doing top 10 TV shows. Okay, good stuff. All right, Keeve. Uh, well, fun stuff. Follow Keeve on Twitter at Keeve twenty six. I don't know if I can commit to this uh, Twitter ban. Well, why do you? Why do you like? Uh, I, I'd like to see a Twitter poll or or Let me ask my or wife. Ask Let me your see wife. Yeah, what, she might really like Maybe it. You I'll might actually back yourself it. into a corner. I like points. 
the, you know the problem with points. We both know the problem with points. Points only last until the next bad thing you do. Yeah. Even if you earn a billion points, right. it's like getting killed in like Donkey Kong. You know, you right. go back to the level one act one. It's you like know? I'm Sonic the Hedgehog. I have like a million rings and then I bump into one thing like, oh, my rings are gone. That's right. Exactly. Uh, and again, I don't get that because I'm not a Sega Genesis guy. That's a, that's a form of a callback <laughs> wow, at the beginning of the callback. episode. Uh, but you've and, seen and, it. My, and ironically, my number one podcast, spoiler alert, Doughboys, the uh, very frequent guest, Evan Susser, is writing a Sonic movie right now. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, so we'll, we'll go see the other day it comes out. Yeah, no doubt. Well, um, I'm waiting for the Super Nintendo movie to come out. Uh, Super Tennis. I'm there. First day. All right. All right. Good stuff. Uh, anything else, Keeve? Yeah. Well, next week we got, uh, we got the fatigues. Yeah, mentors, okay. protégés, the Korean War, singles events. It's a fun episode. Okay. Uh, very fun stuff uh, coming up there. Thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre uh, editing the Seinfeld Post Show recap over the uh, Festivus holiday. So uh, thanks so much uh, to Scott and to Mike Moore, who writes the recap. We'll be back next week. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.